Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show on a grand and glorious and somewhat threatening day here in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. How about we spend a couple hours here on the show chatting about, you know, news and politics and the local, state, and national level. We'll hit up some uh, social services there. We'll talk about uh, the Black Hills a little bit. Uh, we got some recreation, uh, uh, politics, and crime, and all kinds of good stuff. You're going to want to stay close. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us today, thankfully. Thanks for spending some time with us today on your radio, out driving around, in your office, streamed live, or on your transistor, your little transistor with your earbud. You're sneaking a little... Uh, Listen here to the show, and we appreciate that. Maybe you're out there on the KSOO mobile app. And remember, you got to download that mobile app. You get a chance to win some tickets to the Minnesota Twins. How about that? Can't go wrong there because you also get the one-touch live streaming so you can listen to the show anywhere, anytime you can get phone service. Remember, you can always follow along live on Facebook at the KSOO page. You can uh, chat with us on Twitter. At P. Lally Show, we're on all the things all the time. That's just how we go. So, Dan, uh, the last debate last night, the big goober, the goober debate, gubernatorial debate uh, at the Orpheum down in uh, downtown Sioux Falls. Uh, I uh, I did the post game as I said yesterday. Uh, I was doing post game analysis for KSFY, and I here's what I said last night. I was surprised at kind of how tame it was. It was kind of tame. Why would that be? Why was it the questioning? Was it the setting? Was it kind of the the kind of the final last gasp before the primary on Tuesday? Well, you know, I think here and I've been thinking about this and and I said uh right after the debate live on the CW KSFY's other channel there that uh I thought that that Marty exceeded expectations and Christy uh, uh, didn't live up to my expectations because she was not throwing haymakers. You know what I mean? And I, and that did surprise me a little bit. And she said a couple other things that surprised me. One about crime in Sioux Falls, which I didn't understand. And so in my mind, essentially, you know, Marty won the debate because it's about expectations and there's, that's how you measure these things. And, but I, I'm still, I'm still surprised that, that, Christie wasn't more aggressive because it was uh, it did not mirror her ad campaigns, right? I mean, you've continued you've there, you've heard the advertisements on this on this station from both of them, and hers are pointed. You know, uh, Christie's a, a hard campaigner; she's not afraid to say things. Is it? And so, as I'm mulling this through my head later, and in, in an interview I did with Brian Allen for his politics show on Sunday night uh, afterwards. I, I, it sort of started to occur to me, well, that was on purpose. So I, I think that they purposely uh, did not engage in it as on the stage, but they'll allow, I mean, they're going to keep fighting that battle over the airwaves without having Christie to have to get her fingers dirty and, and making accusations against Marty Jackley. That's what I think. Well, and I think if you look at it from a messaging standpoint, that's just one snapshot in time mm-hmm. that that Congresswoman Noam can use 
And, of course, the same can be said for Attorney General Jackley. But in the ad campaign, that is a constant barrage. Yeah. And and that can that that is shaped and formed to the voters' senses and sensibilities, and then and at least as far as you know, whoever supports their candidate, yeah. that's that's how they they're going to vote in the, the upcoming primary. Yeah, and you know they they can control it a lot more. You you know you use about twenty words in one of those ads, and it's very selective and very uh, uh, crafted to get your message across. And I think that her ad campaign in the last five or six days has been very effective. And I wonder if they now see the numbers moving in what is very close race, see some numbers moving. They're like, that's working. Let's not get in the way of it um, and have a chance to actually misspeak from the stage, get into an argument that gets in the way of their own ad message. She was sharp. I mean, they said some sharp things back and forth. But it was in sort of generalities. It was, you know, Washington's not working. Uh, filing lawsuits isn't leadership. It wasn't, you know, Marty Jackley uh, got in the way of, of this sexual harassment case up in Aberdeen or Marty Jackley is tied to this uh, uh, aquaponics scam out of Brookings or Marty Jackley didn't do enough on the EB-5. There was none of that. There was some vague mention of EB-5, but that was it. And I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. It got to be 15 minutes left in the debate, and I'm like, this ain't happening. And it didn't happen. So very interesting to me. Um, probably more strategic as I've molded it than in my first impression would would belie. But, yeah, last one. Now we're just straight into Tuesday. Well, and it depends also. That could be that one snapshot in time sent out by someone's tweet during the during the rest of the campaign, yeah. a la our fearless leader <laughs> you in know, the White House. Uh, both the candidates for governor in South Dakota on the Republican side are, are more measured in their tweeting than uh, than El Presidente. So, I and I think that's probably a good thing. I it was interesting. They were. You know what else was interesting about those two? Uh, they're both 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 unlike me. They are both accomplished speakers, and they were moving. Okay, it was two minutes, 30 minutes rebuttal, two minutes, 30. And they were packing a lot into a very short period of time. You can tell they're both very adept campaigners and uh, just cooking. Boom, 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 boom. It was it was kind of fun to watch in that respect. Now, let's let's put this into perspective of who else is watching. And so you imagine that Billy Sutton on the Democrat side is watching this and saying, okay, this is what we're up against, mm-hmm. no matter who comes out of this deal. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've said many times that Billy Sutton faces a huge hurdle. I mean, he's raising money pretty well, which is a good sign. But he's going to face a lot of money, and he's going to—he's he he's got just—the the voter registration problem is just getting worse and worse and worse for the Democrats, and that's just not a good sign. Uh, obviously, pretty small pool of people are going to make this decision— on who the Republican candidate is going to be. And in the way South Dakota's working, uh, what that means is a pretty small group of people pick your governor. And that's that's the downside of a two-party system that's out of balance. And I'm going to talk about the two-party system in a little bit here after the break. But um, it, was, uh, it was entertaining theater, political theater, if you're into that sort of thing. And uh, I was surprised. Oh, the other thing that surprised me was that was Christy Noem's statement about 
downtown Sioux Falls having more violent crime than other cities our size in the region. First of all, I don't know how you measure downtown Sioux Falls violent crime, uh, but I, that, I thought those were some hinky numbers. I don't know where that was coming from. That surprised me. Yeah, where's the fact checkers on that? Yeah, and, and I didn't, she just said that, and there's nothing, I don't know where it came from. I haven't had time to get the, the deets on that, but Jackley said it was wrong. I don't know. Very strange. That part was just stopped me in my tracks because I just don't. It also doesn't uh, make people who work uh, in uh, promoting our city very happy. (laughs) Made it sound like a horrible place, but it's not. It's a lovely, lovely downtown, and I'm hoping to be down there later. Yeah, because this is the best little city in America. Yeah, don't ever forget it. We've got a great show for for you today. Uh, Our guests include Speaker of the House Mark Mickelson, he will be with us uh, to talk about revisions to Marcy's Law, which is on also on your Tuesday ballot. We'll talk to Madeline Shields about the banquet and their big expansion plans that are in their future. Uh, the Buffalo Maiden is the weird friend of the day. I'm sure we'll discuss the reaction in Custer to the Poets' Table controversy from the Black Hills Bureau. Thea Miller-Ryan at the Outdoor Campus will stop by for her weekly visit, and I'll have a P&L statement just after the break. As I mentioned, my topic today, the two-party system. It's good stuff. You're going to want to stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 320 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Oh, yeah, the Bodine's closer to free, and that's where we're going to try and be today in the PL statement where I glance around the news and look for things that interest me, uh, catch my attention, that sort of thing. And uh, today, you know, earlier this week, I had a column, I talked about a column by uh, Thomas Friedman from the New York Times. So my other, one of my other very favorite columnists at the New York Times that I read a lot because I think he's really smart is David Brooks. And uh, Mr. Brooks uh, uh, writes a lot about uh, politics, but he he also writes a lot about society in general and morals and values and uh, the sort of degradation in some measure of our our way of life. Um, but he's got this column today, "One Reform to Save America," uh, and it's about the two party system. And I, I, it's it's not a new topic for us, uh, but I think he writes about it really well. And and the reform is is has to do with a two party system. Uh, his lead is there are a bunch of different ways to do democracy in Western Europe. Most countries have proportional representation and a lot of different parties representing voters' interests. In this country, we've gone with a two-party system and winner-take-all elections. And he talks about how for a long time that seemed like the way to go because, you know, Hitler uh, came to power in a multi-party system, right? Uh, and, you know, other despots and, and autocrats around the world have occasionally come to power through building coalitions from minority positions. Uh, in America, you know, we've got the two parties and we've been able to work together to, you know, fight fascism and different things of this nature. Um, but even then, he writes, as Lee Drutman of the think tank New America points out, America really has had a four-party system. There were liberal Republicans from places like the Northeast and conservative Republicans from the West. There were liberal Democrats on the coast. 
and conservative Democrats from the South. The four groups floated into different legislative coalitions depending on the issue in the moment, allowing for flexible bipartisan majorities. And we've seen that everywhere. You know, we've seen that to some degree in South Dakota at times, but often in our neighbors, neighboring states. But this is where I think uh, Mr. Brooks is right on. Now the two-party system has rigidified and ossified. The two parties no longer bend to the center. They push to the extremes where the donor bases and their media propaganda arms are. More and more people feel politically homeless, alienated from both parties, and without any say in how the country is run. And I think that's absolutely right. Moreover, he writes, the whole way of practicing politics has been transformed. Each party imagines that it is one wave election from destroying the other side and gaining total power. Therefore, as Drutman notes, there's no interest in compromise, just winning and losing, gloating and seething. Partisans' chief interest is in proving that the other party is despicable in ramping up fear, hatred, and the negative polarization that is the central feature of contemporary American politics. And I think that that's very much what we're seeing. Fear, hatred, and negative polarization. The result is people, especially young, lose faith in democratic norms altogether. There are over 6,000 breweries in America, but when it comes to our politics, we get to choose from Soviet Refrigerator Factory A and Soviet Refrigerator Factory B. Uh, and that's a lovely, lovely metaphor there. Uh, and, and the column goes on and on, and I've posted it on our Twitter feed. I think you should go read the whole thing. It's not it's a column, so it's not terribly long. You can get through it, people. Go to P. Lally Show. You'll find it. Or just go to the New York Times. You'll find it there. But there's a couple other points he makes here that I think are just uh, about proportional voting. So the idea is that you have multiple parties and you have multiple votes, right? So it's, it's ranked voting, choice voting that you've seen in some other places, and, and you combine that with multi-party, and you have uh, better options for voters. And he writes, there's a reason voters in proportional representation countries are, le- are less disenchanted with politics than we are. Their systems work better. They've done a lot, we've done a lot to fight gerrymandering, a, f- a reform that would have only marginal effect on our politics. The good news is that attention seems to be shifting to ranked choice voting, a change that would have much bigger and better effects. So they've done some stuff in Maine that uh, their primary in June will use some of these tactics. Um, there's a lot of movement towards this. There's been some movement in South Dakota. Um, there's a lot of good in this idea. It's not particularly new, as I said, and it's getting some traction in local government. Minneapolis now has ranked choice voting. Uh, would it work on the national level? It's just as likely to work as the two-party system we have now. The fear from a multi-party system where coalitions are norm uh, are the norm to form governments is that you can't find a coalition and you're left with gridlock, right? That's the problem. Well, we have gridlock now. The difference is we technically have a government. I think it's important to encourage more use of multi-party. I really, I really like to see a state take that on, uh, on, on a wide swath so we could see it work in a broader constituency. South Dakota, mm, there are some interesting aspects to it for South Dakota right now. However, uh, our past ballot initiatives to take steps in that direction, the no party on the ballot, for instance, have been defeated. It's hard to see a scenario where uh, the Republican powers that be here in South Dakota loose those reins of power. Uh, they're very divided right now, but they can keep it together. There was, however, this uh, conservative Republican caucus based out of the Black Hills that's recently emerged that is further evidence of the deep and serious fissure in the party there. But I think more likely a state like Minnesota or Iowa, our good neighbors, would be a great test case. 
Both states have high levels of civic engagement. We know that. And voter quality, they're, they're informed, they're engaged. Uh, both have fairly diverse philosophical electorates, meaning, you know, they've got people in both parties where we generally don't. So, hey, Iowa and Minnesota friends, read David's Brooks column, you know, take a shot. It could be you. It could be you that leads the nation to a new period of civil discourse. That is the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can email me, Patrick at KSO.com. Always the Twitter feed at P Lally Show. Love to hear from you. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's the Buffalo Maiden checking in from the Black Hills Bureau. What's going on with that table out there? We'll ask the Buffalo Maiden, and I'm sure she knows. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three thirty-three on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and we we lost the weather there, Dan. We'll have to. Well, it's gonna. There's a chance of storms coming up. That's what we got to worry about, right? Yeah, we'll we'll keep in touch on that. Nothing now, but yeah. there could be later. Yeah. So our apologies for that. That's that's probably a, a host error, but you know, we'll keep in touch. Uh, but we have on the line, as we do most Fridays, from the beautiful Black Hills, Custer, South Dakota. The Buffalo Maiden. Maiden, uh, how is how are things out there today? Oh my gosh, things here are beautiful. It's like seventy some degrees, total sun, few clouds, a little bit of wind. Might interrupt your bicycling, but that's about it. You're uh, oh, you're not it's ha- gorgeous. You don't have big risk of tornadoes and thunderstorms like we. I do. don't think we do. I think it's up north, maybe where my uh, buffalo actually do roam. So. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully they're fine. They need it because we're in a drought up there. So uh, they need it. Whatever. Yeah. And it's my dad's 88th birthday today, Patrick. I saw that. Yes. Happy birthday, Ray. Yes. He's 88. And I wish I could tell you how many meters he uh, rode this winter uh, on his rowing machine and how many bicycle trips they've been taking in the last couple of days. That's awesome. uh, Yeah, he's doing great. And your mom is, uh, uh, what's, she's not 88, but she's close, right? How 82. Was she's 82. 82, and she's right behind him on her bicycle. Actually, she's right in front of him. That's why he got the electric bicycle. So yeah. <laughs> hey, be get... careful out there. Uh, according to state law, okay, well, maybe it's city law. Sioux Falls, in Sioux Falls, you have to have, right now, you have to have a license, like a moped license to ride an electric bike on the streets. I saw that, and I saw, you know, you people are way too rigid over there. Um, I saw, I saw that where it's going before the city. Is that your city or is that Rapid City? I couldn't see that you could actually ride an e-bike on the bike trail. Well, that's what they're trying to pass in Rapid City because according to their law as well, it's not allowed on the bike trail because it's a motorized vehicle. It is, but I don't think that anybody really realizes that down here yet. So we'll just keep that a secret. I don't think, I don't think that sort of, uh, heavy hand of the law is ever going to come to Custer County. No, no, we've got other things to worry about, man. We were missing a table. We had a table that we had, it shut down the county. I mean, the table's gone. And I get it. You know, I totally get it. This is why you and I, I'm so thankful you're not on social media like you used to be. I think you finally learned your lesson. Well, but um, it is, it, it was crazy. I mean, it was so heartbreaking. And then just, we spent, I'm sorry. 
I, you, how dumb are you? <laughs> that's. I think that's the overwhelming consensus here is you just didn't I mean, think it, you're like, supposed to be there. <laughs> I know. I mean, it, it was an eyesore. I'm like an eyesore with a lot of really uh, beautiful writings, uh, very sentimental. I know of, uh, a friend of mine who lost her husband and her three children can go up there and read uh, stuff that their father left for them. Oh, man. And, and they take that. It's just. But, you know, it's uh, it's a sticky situation because there's other things out here that have been taken. Uh, that weren't there um, before? That weren't there before <laughs> that, you know, we cash in on. Yeah, so, that's um, right. It's a it's but, a it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a dichotomy, as we like to say. It is. It's uh, it's uh, the epitome of irony, I guess. Yeah. Um, other other than that, other than the fact that you were the focal point of the state for a few days, uh, what what else is uh, the state? Oh my gosh! I always saw country. reports down in Houston. I like know. Houston didn't have anything to talk about, but a table. <laughs> Well, and they have a little, you know, they have some, they have some issues down there, and they're they talking about a table, issues. right? I don't. It was a strange, strange story from the get go, and now it's done. I just like to, I, I liked it because I got to make this noise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now yes. I don't get to make that noise anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's other stuff though. You you always have events for us, like that that the, there's always some sort of rally or. What have you, and what's going on out there right now? Uh, what is going on out here? We are um, we are so excited because this weekend is the Volks March up oh, at yeah. uh, Crazy Horse. And uh, i got to say, it's a pretty incredible experience if, if you've never done it, it. It's quite the hike. I uh, obviously prefer going up in a van, but <laughs> the hike is nice, too. And <laughs> the view is incredible, and the work that is going on up at Crazy Horse is, uh, um, it's unmeasurable. Well, it is measurable, I guess. But, uh, the arm is, is coming along. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's getting more defined, and, and it's, uh, it's becoming, uh, quite, quite a unique, uh, experience. You're- and it's huge for us at the restaurant down in Custer. Oh, yeah. So you'll have a big weekend then. We have a big weekend. Yes, we That's do. Mm-hmm. Did, I'm uh, excited. And then next weekend is the uh, the new uh, ATV UTV. What's that? A UTV. U- do you U- have one of those? Utilitarian something or what another. What is that? They're, I, they're like yeah. big. They're like ATVs with with uh, with a roof and 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 you know like an a awning. bed, like an <laughs> awning, air conditioning, also known I as cars. Saw, hey, I saw the perfect thing for you on the uh, swap thing, a custer swap. It's a four-wheel bicycle, and it had an awning on it, or whatever you call it, a top, <laughs> and a little steering wheel, like a driver's steering wheel. It's down in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So when you come out, let's go get it. I think that's, what are those called? They have a they have a name for that. There's a song. It was in one of the big musicals. No, not a track. <laughs> oh, four a Surrey. wheels. A Surrey. A Surrey with a fringe on top. Yes, it, that's what that is. A Surrey <laughs> with a fringe on top. Uh, that is so funny. I'd, I'd look good in that. There's, I'm cruising on the bike trail in one of those bad boys. That'd be awesome. Yes. Take yeah. So I was huh. going to say, though, you know, one of the things about the Volksmarch, and I haven't done the march. I, like you, went in a van. Once you yeah. get up on top, uh, you then, then you understand just how massive Crazy Horse yeah. is. It's an enormous undertaking, and it's an incredible uh, commitment from a family, uh, uh, you know, mostly women that have, have taken this on. And it's, just, it's, uh, awestruck. I'll never forget when Ruth said, 
you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's just amazing to be a part of it and, and something that is so, uh, you can't put it into words, really, what, what they do every day. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and they take no federal money. No federal money. Uh, no, they don't. Um, but they do, uh, you know, they do well with charitable uh, donations. Yeah, and, and, and so they're making great progress on it. That's awesome. And I always remember uh, Monique's husband saying, you know, people would ask, when is, when is it going to be done? And he would say Monday, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so who knows what Monday it will be done. It's not about finishing. It's about the actual process. And I think yeah. that's part of, you know, our society. Everything always has to get finished. And it's like, it doesn't have to get finished. Like, we already have a new table. Did you know that? Yeah, There's already that. a new table. Yeah, I saw um, the video. Yeah. What do we need a new table for? Let's oh. just bring back the words. There you but go. But anyway. It's the words that matter, right? It's the words, it's yes. A spi- it's all just one big spiritual journey. It is. It is. So, um, but it is the Black Hills, and it is unique in, in a, what it's all about. So, uh, what's Buffalo- happening... Mm-hmm. That uh, well, that's all that's happening yeah. out here. I'm well, sorry to say. No, that's pretty good. Buffalo made uh, uh, plug the plug the restaurant before I let you go. Sage Creek Grill, right on uh, uh, Mount Rushmore Road in downtown Custer. We are busy. Awesome. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Okay. Sounds great. See ya. See, that's similar to the sound of the table being cut there at Poet's Table. <laughs> Using Genesis. That's nice. A little Peter Gabriel there, who I saw when I was in when I was in Rome. Anyway, uh, we're going to come right back after a short break with Thea Miller Ryan of the Outdoor Campus. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand K S O O. And we're back on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand K S O O three forty five here today, and we are very happy to have in the studio with us today. Thea Miller-Ryan, who's here most Fridays, and uh, we like to chat about things going on in the world of the outdoor campus where she is executive director. And today she brings with her one Mr. Kyle Grogan. Kyle, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. And Thea, as always, appreciate your time. Uh, It's Friday. I love Fridays. How was it out there? I haven't been outside for a while. It's blasted hot. It's it's really hot. We've been training our staff all week, and they're out on the river right now, so maybe they're nice and cool, but it's if hot everywhere else. in the river. Hopefully they're not in the river, but yeah. they are on the river right now. Okay. That's okay, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, as, as you can tell, I'm struggling today. It's Friday, and I'm, I'm, right. I'm at my wit's end here. Yeah, so I'm just, just I get one, it. One stumble after another for, for the Patrick Lally Show, <laughs> but we're getting it back together here because we've got Kyle Grogan in here. Kyle, uh, what uh, what are you doing over there at the uh, outdoor campus? You are an intern and dealing oh. with what? No, he's, I he was used an intern. to be an intern. Uh, uh, he, I hired uh, him. Full time staff yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I'm the volunteer coordinator. Um, so this is kind of our busy time of the year uh, for sure for new volunteers. Um, so our program has anywhere from 130 to 160 plus volunteers. We're going to be closer to that 160 during the summertime. A lot of kids are getting out of school. Uh, we start our program at age 12. So as kids are getting out of school, they're looking for something to do during the summertime. Uh, we have volunteers that do work at the outdoor campus year round. Um, so pretty much anywhere from 12 to 80 plus years old, we have volunteers and and how many did you say did you mention how right many? now we're at about 144 um that'll probably get closer to 160 maybe a little bit more by the end of the summer um as kids are getting out of school that's uh, a lot of people it is yep do you do they ever show up and you go uh yeah let's see um what i want you to do is go sweep the parking lot <laughs> well fortunately they don't all 160 show <laughs> oh, up at once um, <laughs> that's a good thing 
Yeah, they have an online profile that's pretty slick. They get to schedule themselves um, for a lot of the programming that they do or that we do. So they help out with a lot of our classes. So showing people how to shoot archery, um, helping kids bait their hooks for the first time, helping with our paddling classes. Um, we also have volunteers that come in and take care of our small education um, animal collection. So animals that we use in the classroom. So they come in, they feed them, they help clean up after them. Um, we have front desk volunteers that are 18 years of age or older that are kind of the face of the outdoor campus. They greet people as they come in, um, kind of let them know what we're all about. We have volunteers that help out in the garden, um, volunteers that just help out with special events. So I'd say at any given time, the most volunteers that we have is probably for our biggest event, Outdoor University. Uh, we had around 55 volunteers that came out for that last summer. Oh, geez. So, so when did you, Kyle Grogan, of the outdoor campus, yep. along with Theo Miller Ryan, who's also here, uh, become a full time staff member from your uh, much valued internship. Um, this June twenty first will mark my two year anniversary. Oh wow! So it's been a while. See, I'm, I got I got nothing up here today. <laughs> uh, Sorry, he's he's a great he's a great success story because we had him as a as a um, intern and uh, he would go up to Sanford Children's Hospital and do programs for the little kids who were in the hospital Aww. and when they heard that he had his internship was over they gave me a call and they're like he's the only one that can make some of these kids talk you can't fire him you can't let him go you Aww, can't. <laughs> listen to this he's blushing yeah. over here and I, I just kind of kept showing up and so he just, yeah. they, they kept me around for a little we while. hired him that's full great time. so your last name's grogan are you from sioux falls yes so you're of the grogans as we like to I say i am of the grogans if, yes. you don't have to reveal your connection because i know that that comes with some baggage <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dad's one of eleven, so usually someone will pick up on that last name. Which one? For better or worse. Which one? Uh, my dad's Brian. Got it. Yeah. I, I, your dad was my basketball coach in about seventh, eighth grade. Okay. Yeah. So cool. there you go. Full circle. How about that? Yep. Wow. We'll just take a moment to, and enjoy the the synergy that is Sioux Falls. Trying to imagine you playing basketball. Oh man! <laughs> so did his dad, but it yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, outdoor campus coming in the summer now you've, mm -hmm. uh, has to be this just crazy over there, right? Oh my gosh, this week has been insane because there's still school on in the Sioux Falls School District. Today's the last day. And plus some schools have been out for a while. So oh, we have man. a combination of 8 million school buses and 8 million other people coming in. Um, to, this is one of those weeks when I have to think about my day because <laughs> I know that it's going to get out of control pretty quickly. So uh, I suppose you get a lot of those end of the school year tours, field trips. That's what we kind do. Of thing. Yeah. We do. We we love those tours. We love to have people sign up for them. Um, teachers, give us a call and let us know if you're coming. Um, it's the surprise ones that kill us, but uh, we deal with it. Yeah, exactly. It's a big park. Um, so uh, as we move into summer here, what kinds of things should we be looking for at the outdoor campus in terms of? Uh, activities, big events. You have Outdoor U, right? right. Outdoor University is August 4th. Um, our quickest coming up event is um, June 23rd, Women's Try It Day. And uh, it's from 9 to 2 this year. We expanded it a little bit. And we're going to be adding some other fun things, including, I haven't told anybody this, so you guys are the first ones to hear it. We're going to be doing some um, hatchet throwing <laughs> at the event. <laughs> so video. if you're, if you're a woman and want to camera. come <laughs> learn to use a hatchet correctly, come on over. Uh, Dan, we need to drive some uh, web traffic. We'll just go ahead and get the <laughs> video camera. We'll go get hatchet throwing day over at Outdoor Campus. You got to do that, it. That's got to go well. 
Oh, just like a Tommy Hawk. <laughs> yeah, like a Tommy Hawk, exactly. <laughs> um, that honestly, it doesn't sound like a good idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I'm just wondering what the practical application in today's world is for hatchet throwing. Oh, you know, preparedness. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. if you, like after the apocalypse. Yeah, right, zomb- right. Zombie, zombie apocalypse. Zombie apocalypse. <laughs> oh, see, now I see it. <laughs> We're thinking ahead. <laughs> that, that's a good idea. We all need skills. Nobody's going to go like bunny hunting with a hatchet. You know what I mean? No, probably not. But you never know when you might need to throw a hatchet at something. So that's, that's June what? <laughs> June 23rd. It's um, from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. All right. And uh, uh, anything else coming up? I mean, of course, the outdoor campus is open every day. We are. We're open seven days a week this time of year. Um, The park is open from um, sunrise to 10 p.m. every single day. Mm -hmm. And our building is open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday 10 to 4, and Sunday 1 to 4. Um, People can come in and get a map or do an orienteering um, course. We offer those. They can come in and just pick up the stuff and and head on out. We encourage them to go outside. Yeah. That's what we're all about. It is a lovely urban oasis here in Sioux Falls at the right near 49th and uh, Oxbow. Oxbow. There you Every go. time. Oxbow. <laughs> Oxbow Lane right across from the Sanford Wellness Center, mm-hmm. right by the river. Uh, it's a great place if you're a runner at all. And when it's hot outside, much of it is wooded. That's what I hear. I hear that a lot of runners really like it out there because of the shade. And it's gravel. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. It's lovely. Good. There's Obviously, a, you know, it's I'm flat. not a runner. <laughs> no, no. But it's, uh, it is it is a lovely place. There's the, 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 the sweeping uh, prairie spots. There's the forest. There's the, the bog. It's just awesome. Lots of wildlife. Yes, always wildlife. Uh, anyway, Thea Miller-Ryan, uh, who is executive director of the Outdoor Campus, and I was going to say Brian Grogan. Uh-oh. That That's my middle name. Oh, well, there you go. Kyle, Kyle Grogan, Grogan, son of Brian. Um, he is uh, uh, the volunteer coordinator for the outdoor campus. We really appreciate you guys being here. And go out and have fun, everybody. Thanks. Thank yeah, you. do it. We'll be right back with the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters right after this. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public announcement with guitar know your right. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show Information 1000 KSOO Hey, today's first Friday It's June 1st, it's Friday Go downtown, there's all kinds of stuff going on It's a special day of shopping, dining, arts and entertainment there's the June Bark Block Party with live music, food, vendors, beer, wine, and more along the boardwalk at 8th and Railroad Center. There's activities for everybody. Just go down there. It's a good time. Coming up next, after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we'll chat with Speaker of the House Mark Mickelson and then Madeline Shields from the Banquet. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Seven on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're having a little bit of trouble today hooking up with outgoing Speaker of the House, Mark Mickelson. 
we we're going to talk a little bit about Marcy's Law, which is on your Tuesday ballot. Tuesday ballot. It's a little bit weird. One of the things I wanted to talk to the speaker about uh, uh, beyond the details about what this is going to do to uh, change Marcy's Law. A lot of people don't like Marcy's Law, uh, including uh, a lot of folks in the media, because it has made it very difficult to uh, get information. So right after it was passed, it, uh, the police officers, law enforcement, started to not release information because they said they couldn't, that they used to release uh, in terms of victims of crime and different things like this and where crimes happened. That's why after it passed, you never, we no longer get like the name of a grocery store that was robbed or something. It's just a block, you know, an address, a, a block of address, not a specific address, stuff like that. So it's kind of a pain and it costs local, uh, it has cost uh, local uh, law enforcement and court systems a lot of money because you got to inform every person that was sort of remotely related to a case because they're uh, thought of as a victim and and so it was a, it's been a, a big problem so they have all these we uh, have a, a revision coming that would change it including uh, I think a definition of of what a victim is and so we want to chat a little bit with the speaker but we can't get hooked up with him so that's okay that's okay it now here's the deal I I'll do my best public service announcement here. And uh, talk about Marcy's Law because the, the thing that's a little strange about it and I, the, the thing that always puzzled me is they put it on the primary ballot uh, out of the legislature. And that's odd because not everybody votes in a primary election. Um, now, it doesn't matter what your party affiliation is in the state of South Dakota. If you're a registered voter, you can go on Tuesday and vote on Marcy's Law changes. So you should do that. You should uh, if you are in favor of uh, taking that down a notch, get out to the polls and vote. But odds are a lot of folks aren't going to go vote just for that, right? That's not really a motivating vote. So I think that the the turnout on that particular bit might be a little small. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, 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 that's that's my question. Oh, so I see. I see. We I have am a- giving you the high sign officially now. We have a light on. That's always a good sign. The light is on, and we're going to go, and I believe we have former speaker, or outgoing speaker of their house, Mark Mickelson, here. Let's try this. Speaker Mickelson, are you there? Very good. Oh, yeah. Hello, Pat. Sorry how, I'm uh, late. That's okay. I was just telling the good people out there uh, about some of the changes to Marcy's Law that you have brought to the ballot on Tuesday, and uh, I, I was giving a rough approximation of the changes. Uh, first of all, just give us some a, a basic rundown uh, on the, the major change here uh, that you're making to what we call Marcy's Law. Well, Marcy's Law is a good thing, and it, it strengthened victims' rights, and it put it in the Constitution and basically gu- guaranteed victims of crimes that they have the right to participate in the criminal justice proceedings, let them know when the trial's scheduled, um, give them an opportunity to testify at sentencing. If someone's up for parole, let them know. And, you know, when folks think about this, I think they're most often thinking of, um, you know, sexual assault, Mm -hmm. um, domestic violence, um, those kinds of crimes. And there's a, there's a very um, there's a lar- lot of organizations in this state that have been formed um, to provide shelter for battered women, is is what I would call it. And in the Compass Center in Sioux Falls, there's a statewide network of these these folks called mm-hmm. the Network Against Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence. And so, 
what what happened with Marcy's law was um, people, law enforcement, became concerned that if they would share information on a crime with the public um, or with maybe family members of of a, a potential victim, that that information in the accident report or the police report could be used to identify the victim. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the rights that was protected is victims that don't want to be identified can't be. But you could see we had this uncertainty, and so that led to information not being shared that really the, the victims' rights groups here in South Dakota didn't, didn't want the folks promoting this legislation kind of nationally, the Marcy's Law folks, didn't intend for that. And so we fixed it. We, we, we fixed it, made it clear that law enforcement can share that information, of course. We want to solve crimes um, and protect the identity of victims. And so we, we, made, we did that first by explicitly allowing that. And then the second major issue was the definition of a victim and the definition of a, a criminal victim was very broad, whether it was you speeding down Minnesota Avenue or your wife getting in a fender bender. Um, and we put a requirement that law enforcement provide notifications to the car that uh, the driver of the car that your wife may have hit, or, you know, perhaps when you were speeding, you offended uh, the person sitting next to you. That was a potential victim. So there were lots of form letters going out and people that the county's hired to try in an attempt to comply with kind of the letter of the law. And so the second major change that we made is we made the, uh, the, the these rights that victims have opt in mm-hmm. at the election of the victim. And so the thinking there is when we get into the sexual assault crimes, um, the domestic violence crimes, those victims are going to want to opt in. Mm-hmm. And that's where we want to dedicate our resources to. And uh, those folks that are involved in the more minor crimes, um, they won't opt in and we won't be expending taxpayer resources where people really don't want them directed, but yet focusing on where we think people probably do. Yeah. And this was, Marcy's Law always was kind of a heavy handed approach to if we had a problem in South Dakota, it wasn't uh, as, as maybe severe as this constitutional amendment was designed to solve in that, you know, I, I was in, I've been in the media for 30 years. Uh, we didn't report on uh, victims of sexual abuse anyway. You know, and so in terms of the media part of that, those things weren't available. Um, And I think that's what a lot of people were worried about. But uh, so coming back now, uh, I have I have some other questions about it, but I'm going to could you have time to hold on for just a little bit through a commercial break here and we'll we'll get a little more. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. Awesome. We will come right back and talk more with uh, Speaker of the House, Mark Mickelson. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four nineteen on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we return to our conversation with Speaker of the House, Mark Mickelson, and we've been chatting about Marcy's Law and the issue, the uh, uh, alterations that are on your Tuesday ballot. Uh, Speaker Mickelson, um, do you, in the legislature, and you led the charge here, you uh, put this on the June ballot. Uh, and I'm curious what your reasons for putting it on a primary ballot versus the November ballot. If you just tell us why you did that. Um, if we pass it in June, it'll take effect July 1st, 2018. 
if we wait until November, it would not take effect until July 1st, 2019, mm-hmm. one full year later. And we got some wrinkles we got to get ironed out in this, in this deal. And um, everyone agreed on that. I mean, law enforcement, sheriffs, uh, state's attorneys, the Marcy's Law folks, the victims' rights groups, Democrats, Republicans, independents, men, women, doesn't matter who you are. And I think everyone would agree in the legislature, the folks that heard the debate, said these things need to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, we've had a special election before when uh, Governor Janklo uh, and his, his executive team negotiated the sale of the state cement plant. This was, you know, 15 mm-hmm. years ago. He said, well, we had to have a special election in April and because uh, we had to amend the Constitution to do that. And um, the uh, that's fairly expensive proposition to have a special election for that. But in that case, of course, it was several hundred million dollars. So it was worth it. Mm-hmm. This was not a situation that I don't think it justified a special election. But since we already had a scheduled election where all, you know, every county, every precinct was, you know, already going to have an election booth set up for primaries. We said, why don't we just piggyback on that? The, the incremental expense associated with adding this was relatively insignificant. Um, just adding a measure to the Republican ballot, adding a measure to the Democrat ballot, and then we had to prepare the extra cost. A lot of it was with it, the nonpartisan ballot. Mm-hmm. So that's why we did it, you know, and that that caused some concern from some of my Democrat friends. Um, and they weren't worried about this issue, Pat, I don't think. I mean, you know, you could ask them, but they were concerned that this might set a precedent, mm-hmm. okay, that this is a non-political issue. It's widely supported, I think, from folks that understand it, Republican, Democrat, without regard to party. But, you know, what happens when Mickelson or, you know, whoever the next guy is, you know, I'm not coming back, but whoever the next guy is, comes up with an idea that's maybe more political mm-hmm. and um, more partisan is what I should, the term I should use. Right. And that's what they were concerned about, the presidential effect. But as you know in life, if you're always worried about what might be rather than what truly is, um, then you just never get anything done. And, and so, and it's, it's electoral, it's the electoral system. So you have to take a little more care than you normally would. Uh, I think that you're right. I mean, it's not, this is not a partisan issue. And I, it's, it, it's likely to pass. Uh, do you, where does the, uh, but it is a little weird, uh, because a lot of people aren't going to realize that, and that's why I'm glad you're here today. A lot of people aren't going to realize that they can go vote on this, whether they are, uh, independent Democrat, whatever district they live in, you, there's going to be a ballot there for you. Well, and we want them to, I mean, I, and, and the thing is, Pat, you know, I, I did, I did a couple ballot measures. I circulated petitions and, you know, it's hard as busy as people are that for the average citizen to keep track of. Now, if I didn't serve in the legislature, I would be going, why in the world do I have to go vote on this? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, people don't realize that you can't amend the state constitution without a vote of the people. Right. Okay. And so we're asking them to amend the state constitution to make it better. And, we need them to, in this case, ratify what was the legislator's, ju- legislator's judgment. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we need them to go vote. Um, and we sure hope they do. That's Tuesday. So it's primary day and it's Marcy's Law Day. Uh, people can go vote. Hem, you are not going back to the legislature. So you are the 
the outgoing Speaker of the House. Um, but you're going to be very busy in this election otherwise, right? Uh, you've got a couple issues that you're pushing. Uh, tobacco tax is one of them, correct? Well, yeah, that's the one I really do want to uh, focus my efforts on, Pat. We, every single person and business person, where no matter the size of the community, Sioux Falls or Rutland, okay, are having a hard time hiring the, the people that they want. Part of that is demographic. You know, we've got our our our, our citizenry's gotten older. We got less people entering the workforce. Um, despite the fact our population is growing. So, and, and part of that is we are training kids to make sure that they think they go to a four-year college rather than maybe directly into the workforce or acquire a skill, a trade, and then go into the workforce. And so the, our technical schools, we got four great ones in South Dakota, right here in Sioux Falls, Southeastern Technical Institute, Mitchell Tech, Lake Area Tech, best in the country, Mitchell's in the top ten. They just been nominated, mm-hmm. to, to, and and then and then one out in Rapid City, Western Dakota. Unfortunately, what people don't realize is because we don't have any local public funding participation in these schools, it costs twice as much for a student to go to one of our technical schools than go to Nebraska's, right, or Wyoming, or Montana, or it's fifty percent higher to go here versus North Dakota. Minnesota or Iowa, we're the third highest in the country. Now, people don't realize that. And so to do something about workforce development in the skilled trades area, we need to, one, we need to provide tuition relief so that we're competitive with our neighbors. And then, two, God's honest truth is here in Sioux Falls, Pat, we've gotten out of expensive programming. We used to have heavy equipment operations here in Sioux Falls. Now you got to go to Sheldon, Iowa. Yeah. To get a heavy equipment, we cut all six of our manufacturing classes. So, to get at this issue, we need some additional funding. We've looked at sources. A tobacco tax increase was the best idea we could come up with. That's going to be on the ballot. Should we put another dollar on a pack of cigarettes? Tax something we would most of us would agree we want less of, and provide twenty million dollars of additional funding to buy down tuition at our tech schools. And so that will be on the November ballot. That's a November ballot measure, so we're we're getting organized. I'm I, I'm running around with my hat in my hand to some of my <laughs> like-minded friends trying to raise some money. That's not an easy task, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know who who knows when we took a, a we took a small poll just to see whether or not John Q. Public would think this was a reasonable idea, and it was in the mid sixties yeah. on, on approvals. So mm-hmm. people really value technical education and you know smoking's not that popular and so <laughs> no it's not yeah so that's kind of we're hoping to get that that devil passed and then it would really be a shift change for the funding of these schools and we'd be kind of caught up in south dakota we're pretty good at getting by with less as evidenced by lake area tech being voted the number one but there isn't any employer in town that tells you they've got all the skilled tradesmen that they need. No, that is a serious problem. And uh, Speaker Mickelson, you'll have to come back as we get closer to the November election. And there are other issues rolling around out there we want to talk to you about. But I appreciate you taking some time for us today, sir. Yep. Thanks for having me on, Pat. I appreciate it. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Madeline Shields. 
She's from the banquet, and they've got some big plans for the coming weeks and months that we will tell you about. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and I needed a little pick-me-up, so I played Trample by Turtles. But I didn't need it because Madeline Shields is here from the banquet. Thanks for having me. Oh, awesome! Thanks for being here. Uh, now I feel better. I was I was starting to lag, Madeline. You were? Yeah, I was. I was. I was. I've been struggling all day, so I'm glad you're here. Well, thanks. You know, when I when I'm struggling, I listen to Lincoln Park. So oh, well. <laughs> it's a little there little harder go. than you're trampled by turtles. Yeah, <laughs> I, but these they, these guys they they give me solace in my in my times <laughs> of need. Um, Madeline is the uh, director of marketing and development for the banquet of Sioux Falls. Ban- which is the banquet of Sioux Falls, or was banquet? It is the banquet. Period. Period. We are the only banquet. Um, it was it was developed here in Sioux Falls in 1985, and um, we do not have an umbrella organization. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are confused by that. That think maybe we get help financially from a bigger organization or from a feeding organization. We do not. Everything that runs the banquet here is all private funds. Um, from local people. And your mission is to feed people. We feed people. That is our number one mission at the banquet. And that differs from, say, the uh, uh, Feeding South Dakota, because tell us the difference between what you do and what Feeding South Dakota does. Sure. What we do at the banquet is we have a philosophy that everyone should should come in, be invited in as a guest, and sit down for a hot prepared meal and be the guest of our volunteer and they should be treated and served with dignity and respect Mm -hmm. and we serve almost 200,000 meals each year in two locations here in Sioux Falls and so and that's the news here Uh, you've been uh, over at 8th in Indiana now for a few years yeah we've been there for almost 12 years and um of course, we were down at 300 North Main next mm-hmm. door to the Holiday Inn downtown since 1985. That's when we opened our doors. In 2006, we moved over to um, 8th and Indiana. We um, purchased a building, remodeled the building, and we have had adequate space there, and we are good in that facility. Mm-hmm. But what we found out is that there are a lot of people in Sioux Falls that cannot get to our location at 8th Street and Indiana Avenue. As it turns out, people who are in need, who uh, don't maybe have enough food, don't all live downtown. That's right. Uh, Absolutely. And the city has gotten a lot bigger. Uh, you, you expanded to the west side. Uh, when did that happen? In 2014, after much research, we started um, talking about the need in the northwest part of Sioux Falls in 2011. And our board of directors um, and the staff, they met with um, Department of Social Services, Um, the Homeless Coalition, Minnehaha County Welfare, the Sioux Falls School District to figure out where is the greatest need for meals in the city of Sioux Falls. And it came back that it was in that northwest section of Sioux Falls. So it's north of West 12th Street over by a the Hayward neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And Hayward um, has about 76% of those children at that school are 
on free and reduced lunches. Mm-hmm. And so we know a that lot of people don't even know. I've never been by that school. They don't know where it is. It's up on uh, Valley View Drive. Yes. North Valley View Drive, north of 12th Street. If you there's not any other really reason to go up there unless you live there, or go to school there. Right. It's and not it's someplace you just drive by. Right. It's um it's kind of off the beaten path, I guess. If you're on Twelfth Street, you know, you're usually not going to go north, but unless you're heading maybe out to the airport and you go on North Marion. Mm-hmm. If you look then to the west, you can see hundreds and hundreds of mobile homes. And those are those folks that are living there. They are working, they're working full time but they struggle to make ends meet and they are in need of meals, supplemental meals. Many of those families don't qualify for any SNAP, which is food stamps, Mm -hmm. um, because they were all working. Mom and dad are both working full time. They're the families that after they pay their rent, they pay their utilities, they put gas in the car, um, they pay their bills, they pay their medical bills. If they have a, a home repair or a car repair, there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. And but yet they they're right on the verge. They make too much money to get any any assistance. And so you got you opened up a kind of a satellite operation at the fairgrounds. We Wh- did. And what year was that again? In 2014. Yeah. And and we searched we searched high and low for um, property, either somewhere to build, somewhere to buy, some place to remodel, and there was just nothing that we could find that would be adequate for the number of people that we knew we were going to be serving at that location. And so we met with the fair board and they were fantastic. And they said, absolutely, you can rent the Nordstrom Johnson building. And so we do rent the Nordstrom Johnson building on the north end of the fairgrounds two nights a week. We started one night a week um, because, you know, whenever you're doing something new, Mm -hmm. we had to get into it gradually because all of our meals are served. They're cooked by and they're served and they're they're provided by volunteer groups. And so we did not feel that we were in a position to just jump in and and go as many nights as we could. So we started with one night a week. And then in 2015, we expanded to two nights a week. And it has been great for that neighborhood. Yeah. And so that's where we sit right now. And we're going to come right back. We've kind of buried the lead, but we did it on purpose, right? Uh, We're going to come right back with Madeline Shields. She is the Director of Development and Marketing for The Banquet. And we're going to talk about the big things that are coming for Northwest Sioux Falls. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 445 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Madeline Shields. She is the Director of uh, Development and Marketing for The Banquet. And uh, we've been talking about uh, the expanding services of The Banquet and the history of The Banquet and the amazing work of The Banquet. Um, and the growing need in uh, Northwest Sioux Falls. And now, after a few years at the fairgrounds, you guys are going to take it up a notch and build a new building. We are. We absolutely are. We have been so blessed. We received two acres of land from the Delbridge sisters. Oh, really? Yes. They um, own the land there right at 5th and Marion Road, and they have um, graciously chosen the banquet. Um, this area was their farm when they were children. Really? And when they came um, to our announcement, our campaign kickoff, they talked about how much they loved it there. They lived in town, but this was their farm place. This is where the cows were and the sheep and the cats and the puppies. And um, they spent 
so much time out there. And so they are thrilled to turn over those two acres to the banquet. And they said, go. We want you to go as soon as you can and fulfill, fulfill the needs of the people that live right here around the farm that we grew up on that we loved so much. So Fifth and Marion, um, I'm trying to adjust my thinking here. It's It would be on the east side of the street, it's right? The, yes. And it's, it's on, kind of just a big open cornfield right now, right? It is right now, yes. Soak Up Construction is to the east of us, and Amesbury Truth is to the north, um, which used to be Balance Systems. I don't know if they still call it that, but we will have that small area on the corner mm-hmm. right at 5th Street and Marion Road. So you will come down West 12th Street, and you go north on Marion, you go up to 5th, you take a right, and then there will be a left-handed turn onto a street that will turn into our parking lot of the banquet. So right now you are raising money. We are right? raising money. We have a $1.6 million capital campaign underway. And how, did you start with some, some gracious seed money or you start from zero? How'd this work? We have. We have had some fantastic donors who have um, stepped forward to help us with this project. Um, you know, Salmon's Financial has been one of our great supporters of Banquet West. They have really um, have a passion for this project and they serve the very first meal when we started at the fairgrounds. And um, they have given some money to say, you know what, move forward Mm -hmm. with this. And so that's really helped us. And we have some other fantastic gifts. So what's the timeline here? You have the land. You're raising the money. What's going to happen next? We have the land. We hope to have um, completed our campaign by late summer. And if the weather is nice, we hope to break ground in early fall like October, November, and we want to serve meals there by next spring. Wow, you're moving along pretty good. We are moving along. And, you know, the reason for this is there is a great need. You know, people are hungry now, and so we really needed to move forward on this and and get moving. Yeah, I have, so these, I have these numbers here from Banquet West, all right? That's just the Banquet West is kind of amazing. So you opened 2014, about 4,000. 2015, 13,000, mm-hmm. 2016, almost 16,000, and then almost 16,000 again in 2017. That's interesting, though. You've plateaued out there. I mean, that's a lot of meals. It's a lot of meals. Over in the, in the four years since we opened our doors um, in that rented space on the fairgrounds, we've served about 50,000 meals. And you can see between six, 2016 and 2017, we have plateaued. Um, we know that the people who can get to us, number one, they have transportation, most of them. So they can drive to the fairgrounds to, for a meal. We know that there are a lot of people who cannot get to us. And that's why that 5th Street and Marion Road location is going to be so much better and so much more important. We will be on a bus route and we will be within walking distance to hundreds of mobile homes. Yeah, and also on the other side of the interstate. And we are west of the interstate, which is um, USDA has labeled that area as a food desert. And that means that there is no grocery store within a one-mile radius of that neighborhood um, where people can buy fresh fruits and vegetables and whole foods. Um, Right now, 
there is no grocery store out there, and most of the many of those people do not have transportation. Yeah, transportation being one of the top issues uh, over the years in this community, and really is it's a difficult problem, but really is not getting the uh, time and effort that it deserves. Right, um, because that's what you see. People can't get to if, if they don't make enough money. They can't have two, three cars. Maybe they can't have one car mm-hmm. or it's broken down and now they can't get to the grocery store. They can't get anywhere. If you see um, when the in the summer months now, of course, our numbers go up at, at the fairgrounds and at um, 8th and Indiana because the weather's nice. People will get out and they can walk with their children. Mm-hmm. Um, if you head west and I live on the west side of Sioux Falls and around between five and six o'clock, if you head west on West 12th Street, you will see people walking. Mm-hmm. They're walking east, and they're walking into the fairgrounds to go eat a meal. And we serve there two nights a week on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So when you see those families pushing strollers with babies and small children, that's where they're going. They're going to get a meal at the banquet. And it's also not particularly pedestrian-friendly either uh, to cross the interstate. Right. Uh, I-29 there or anywhere in the big loop around the city. Mm-hmm. Um this So a couple of other statistics that are interesting. You mentioned Hayward, which is fairly close. 76.4% of all Hayward elementary students qualify for free or reduced, which is, that's basically the level of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what that's a measure of. And McGovern, though, McGovern Middle School, which is also way out there, uh, right. 77.4% of McGovern Middle School students qualify for free and reduced lunch. Yes, and you can get those statistics right off the Sioux Falls Public yep. Schools websites. Um, they list every school in the city individually, and then they show the demographics of the students in those schools. And, um, yeah, those numbers are astounding. There are a lot of hungry kids, and that's another reason we need to serve. As soon as those doors open, we're going to be serving five nights a week, Monday through Friday evening. Our, we'll serve from 6 to 7.30, just like we do at our main location at 8th and Indiana. Um, those children are hungry when there is not school lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody who has kids at home knows what summers are like. Your grocery bill goes through the roof. Yeah. Well, when you're already struggling and you're getting a school lunch, now you have kids at home who are hungry. And there are some feeding programs through the school district. But uh, again, um, you got to get to the schools and different mm-hmm. things. Uh, you need you always need help. We always need volunteers, absolutely. You can go to our website, thebanquetsf.org. And if you want to know why we need this new building so desperately, we have a two-minute video on our website. You have to scroll down to the bottom left of the website. Also, you can find it on Facebook. You click Mm -hmm. on the Banquet West. It's called Fulfilling Our Mission to Serve a West Side Story. And it tells exactly how much work it is to cook that food and truck it out to the fairgrounds and set everything up. Madeline Shields, she is the Director of Development and Marketing for the Banquet in Sioux Falls and soon to be permanent location Sioux Falls West. Uh, We'll put that information up on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show, which I can see that Uber producer Dan Peters is already doing as we speak. So you can find all that information there. Madeline, as always, thank you and keep up the good work. Thank you very much. And one last second, I want to say we are not closing 8th and Indiana. Some people have been confused about that. This is a second location, so we'll be serving on two parts of town. There you go. Thanks a lot. Coming up after the break, we'll finish up here and uh, move on to the weekend. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 
458 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Yeah, what a beautiful, beautiful day it is. Uh, we got some storms coming in, but keep your eye or keep your ear to the radio and we'll take care of you. Two events coming up tomorrow you might want to know about. The Great Strides Walk is a benefit for cystic fibrosis. That's at 9 a.m. at Riverdale Park. And, of course, the Purple Stride for pancreatic cancer. That's also 5K, 8.30 at Cherry Rock. So a couple events going on right downtown there. Or just, uh, what is that, east of downtown. There you go. Stay with us on Monday. We've got Stacy Peterson. She's written a couple of books for families dealing with recovering cancer. Corey Heidelberger will be here on a Monday. How about that? We'll talk about the election. Common Man will be in. Everybody have a great weekend. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.